Wow, that's such yeah, a that's long time. Yeah, it, it is a long time, especially for my age group. So I graduated from college and started right out of college with this company and never and never left. And to be honest, never really considered leaving. I always looked to my dad as a mentor from a professional standpoint, and he stayed with the same company for 47 years before retiring. Mm. And I looked up to that and I really had a lot of value set in loyalty. I had felt like the company invested a lot in me and they did for sure. And I wanted to be able to give that back to the company. And so honestly, up until the very end, I had no intentions of ever leaving I, you know, thought that I was a lifer. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what happened. So, you know, how did you decide that you wanted to leave? So for me, the impetus of my journey out of corporate America and into entrepreneurship was the birth of my first kiddo. Uh, my daughter was born in 2015 and I was so excited for motherhood. I thought that I had been, you know, put on this earth to be a mom. It was always something I looked forward to. And I became a mother and it was the hardest thing I had ever done in my entire life. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to. And I know that sounds so bad. And I love my kids and I wouldn't give them up for the world, but it was really hard so when I was on maternity leave, by the time it got over in four months, I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness I get to go back to work and do something I know I'm good at because this, the rest of my life is just craziness. Um, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm failing at everything. And so I felt so relieved to be able to go back to work. When I actually got back to work though, things didn't feel the same. I had the same job. I had the same boss. I had the same team. On paper, everything was great. And I didn't feel right. And I was at an offsite, a team development offsite. And the facilitator asked us to complete a core values exercise, which as an employee development specialist, I had delivered those same exercises countless times. And I had this opportunity to do one for myself for the first time in a few years, certainly the first time since before becoming a mom. And what was really interesting is that my core values had shifted. So the person that I was before becoming a mom is completely different now than the person that I was after becoming a mom. And I was shocked that that was the case because I thought core values were things that could be intact for your whole life. Can you tell us, well, I'm not sure what level of detail you're able to tell us, but I think I want to like kind of talk a little bit more about this kind of core values discovery exercise that you used to host or used to organize um, at your job. Because I think it's something that's very important that maybe we don't actively think enough about. I've gone to maybe like one um, workshop um, for my job to kind of do something that's similar, but not um, to the same kind of effect. So um I don't know what you can share, but please do. Yeah. So I have every single client that I work with complete a values assessment. You could go onto Google and, you know, type in core values assessment, and I'm sure you'll come up with a bunch of things. I could also make one available to your listeners as a little gift for, for tuning in and listening to our conversation today. But essentially the idea is 
um, you, for my assessment, you look through a very, very long list of words that can indicate a value. And you start to circle the ones that feel meaningful to you. And from there, I, a lot of people kind of do something where you cut the list in half, cut the list in half, cut the list in half until you have about five core values. Um, and I do it a little bit differently. I have people group them, um, and give them, give them names and things like that, because it's not just about prioritizing, which, you know, cutting the list in half, cutting the list in half, or it's like you're getting down to choosing between what's more important than another. And I do think that's important, but there's another aspect of it. And that is creating your own definition for your core value. So for example, if your core value is health and my core value is also health, we could have different definitions for what health means. And if we haven't taken that time to actually define that core value, if we're just taking that word at face value, it's that awareness isn't going to have the same impact and the same ability to help you make decisions. And so that's where my assessment differs a little bit is I give you that opportunity to create the definition of that core value that you've uncovered. I think that makes a lot of sense because something might speak to a lot of us, like, you know, at a high level, but when it comes down to like the detail of exactly what um, like a particular word means to you, it might be very different than what it means to, to Dana, for example. So um, it's very important that I think that's a very cool um, aspect of this training that you're, or like kind of like exploratory assessment that you um, are doing with your clients. And anytime I ran across somebody that would be thinking about moving to a different job or a different career, I always recommend doing a core values assessment because it gives you really great information to gauge whether a job is going to be a good fit for you or not. So, um, or if you're feeling really unsettled in your own job and you're, and you're able to look at your core values and say, how does this job serve my value of X? How does it serve my value of Y? How does it serve my value of Z? And if you're finding that it's not, well, of course you're feeling unfulfilled because your work isn't actually filling those buckets of what means what matters the most to you. And so if you're out there feeling unfulfilled and wanting something new, take a core values assessment so that you can try to find something that could be a better fit. So often we just think the grass is greener. And so we're just going to go to that next quote unquote best thing. If we don't take that time to say, okay, my core values are, you know, one through five and this job from what I've learned and from what I understand will help to fulfill these values or will help to support these values. That's a really good indication that it would be a good move for you. I see. And earlier on, you said that you were very shocked or surprised that your core values changed. Um, do they often stay the same? What I have come to learn is that I think that core values change. I think they change over a lifetime. I also think they change with major life events. So for me, obviously, that was becoming a mother. But I think that getting a health diagnosis, um, you know, getting a new job, graduating from something, having your children go away to college, going through divorce, getting married, those really big life events really shift things for us and shift our priorities. And if we assume 
that our core values have stayed the same. The same thing with the job, you know, search um, example that I just shared. It's so important that we know what matters most to us after those big shifts have happened. And I think even just the passage of time as we learn and grow and change, that alone could shift your values. But um, I think the big markers of life shifts or um, big life events are a good indication that it's a good idea to just check back in and see if your core values have moved. Mm-hmm. And after you realize that your core values have shifted, what did you do next? I became a personal development junkie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I started reading so many personal development books. I it really opened my eyes to like, okay, I need to get back in touch with myself. I started journaling. I went on a couple of um, weekend women's retreats, one of which was a silent retreat, was a really interesting experience to just turn inward and be like, okay, Chica, who are you? Uh, I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, and and that took that took a long while. And I still, I think that's a never ending process of you know, knowing oneself and caring for oneself and respecting oneself. But for me, it was uh, long overdue. And so, um, yep, I, I turned to that for a long while. And what did you find? Um, like, did you come to a conclusion or some kind of conclusion or observation? There were so many steps along the way that pointed me in the right direction. So I don't know that I came to a conclusion necessarily, but I was just led to that next step. Um, and, you know, there were pivotal points from being in corporate America to doing what I am now, but really it was just one step at a time and being open to what that meant for me. So is this when, uh, when you realized that you wanted to do something different and you started to I guess, pursue it or, or just explore the idea in your head. Mm-hmm. What did you do next? So it wasn't for, I'm trying to actually get the math right. I don't think it was for two or three years after that core values exercise that I kind of had this aha moment where I was like, I think that I want to lead women on retreat. So that was like my first aha moment of, I want to do something outside of corporate America on my own. Now, I don't today lead women on retreat, um, but that was that first wondering about maybe I should go into business for myself. And that was a couple years after, you know, that core values exercise. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of that first step. And I actually did host a retreat and got so much great experience and found that, you know, that actually isn't exactly what I want to do. And so, like I was saying, it's just each kind of step gave me new information but that encouraged me to get certified as a coach. And so I went um, and did a year and a half long process to be certified through the International Coach Federation as a coach. You don't have to do that. It's um, not an industry that is regulated by any governing bodies, but I wanted to do that so that I could be the most legitimate best coach I could possibly be. And that process in and of itself was very revealing Um, But even after becoming a coach, like deciding exactly what coach I want to be and who I want to serve and do I want to work for a company as a coach or do I want to work for myself? You know, all of those decisions were made along the way as more and more information and self-awareness was uncovered. 
at what point did that did that solidify that this is what you want to do today mm-hmm. come a coach or a career coach yeah so i ended up leaving my corporate position permanently in january of 2020 um, which is great timing. <laughs> yeah, beginning of 2020. I mean, this year is just a bad timing. Overall, I know, so right? You're not the only one. Oh my gosh. Um, but I had been thinking about it for such a long time and I was afraid of leaving the stability and security of this job. I had great insurance. I had a great paycheck. It was a sure thing. And everything about entrepreneurship is not a sure thing. So I got to the point where the only thing holding me back was fear. And when I realized that, and I realized that with the help of a coach, I was like, that is not a reason to stay anywhere, to stay doing anything is because of fear. And so that was really what the catalyst was for me to set to decide, okay, it's time to take this big, huge, scary leap into doing something else. And even if it had been to a different company, you know, as I said before, honestly, I thought I was going to be at that company forever. I had no intention of leaving. And so just leaving that company, even if it wasn't to go into business for myself, I had a lot of fear wrapped up in that because it was such a huge change from what I had pictured my life to be. And then all of a sudden I found myself in this place, like ready to go. And not only that, but going into business for myself, which was just never part of my plan. Did you talk to people about their experiences in starting their own businesses or, or did that take you a long time to you know, go back and forth on that decision? Or was it, was there like a pretty defining moment where you decided, okay, this is happening and everything just went very smoothly from then? Um, well, nothing goes smoothly when you decide to go into business for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just say that right there. Um, I think it was more of a process. I definitely talked to people, uh, you know, not necessarily informational interviews the way that I used to do them in corporate America, but more coffee chat type of things where we would just get to know one another. And of course I would ask some questions, um, more networking, I guess. And I did learn a lot from that, but I also took, uh, course through the coaching school that I went to about building your coaching business. And so really I got my hand held step-by-step on how to build a business. And that for me was really important because I'm a learner. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to research ahead, research it ahead of time and I'm going to plan. And so it was important for me to take a class in how to build a business as I was building my business. Not everyone is like that. And so again, it kind of goes back to the importance of self-awareness. If you're like me and you know, you're know you wanting to do something, get as much information as you possibly can because that gives us a sense of control. And that's certainly what I did. Um, and so I think between that course and through networking with other people who are in my same position or a little bit ahead of me helped to give, give me some info. But it also felt a lot like the blind leading the blind and trial by fire. So I did what I could to gather information and every step of the way, I felt like I was being surprised. (laughs) (laughs) How did your friends and family react to your decision? Overall, I got met with incredible support. 
I will say that I am so lucky to have the most supportive husband and partner. He has been my biggest cheerleader from day one and has encouraged me along all the ups and downs. And I think there probably have been more downs than ups. And so um, that has been a huge blessing. But my parents have been incredibly supportive. My friends have been supportive. But, you know, when you when you make a big change, if you make a big career change, especially one that deviates greatly from what you were doing before, it does change you a little bit. And if the people in your ecosystem, in your environment are mourning or like wondering why have you changed or why are you different, um, that can definitely create some tension in important relationships and Luckily for me, that didn't happen very much. That's wonderful to hear. And um, I wonder because, you know, sometimes can people be a little intimidated by the change if they think too much about what that change means? And I guess specifically I'm talking about, you know, obviously leaving something that pays you like very regularly and, you know, bi-weekly, for example, versus going to something that you don't know when you will find your first client or the next client and, you know, something that's a little bit more uncertain and irregular, like maybe thinking too much about what that looks like can also scare a lot of people. Because if I am comparing just, let's say like, you know, my biweekly paycheck now becomes, if I get one client, it's this much, then, you know, it's kind of a scary comparison for somebody that's just just starting out. So yeah. um, how did you overcome that? <laughs> uh, I don't think I did overcome it. I think that I got to a point where I knew that I had to take this leap. It was kind of a now or never feeling, which wasn't true, but that's how I felt. And so it sort of became secondary. But as I've been growing my business, that fear has been there. Um, and it's, I think that in any big transition, there will be whatever that insecurity is or whatever that worry and concern that's keeping you up at night. And the one thing I've tried so hard to build and practice is a positive mindset that if I focus on the fact that I'm not getting a regular paycheck, or I don't know where that next client is coming from, like I did at the beginning, my energy would then go there instead of being poured into really positive work that I could be doing. And it's not easy (laughs) to make that shift because it's so natural. The way that our brains have been developed are, you know, ones that we try to search out the danger and avoid it at all costs. Um, And so you are kind of rewiring your brain, but I do think it's important just to be aware, like, Hey, if you've got some mindset blocks that are in the way of you taking this next step or transitioning to this different opportunity, that's going to make it a lot more challenging. And certainly the one that you described was a big block for me. Mm -hmm. And do you see this in your clients a lot where people have a lot of negative kind of self-talk and they kind of scare themselves before doing anything even or like just thinking about it? And what do you do to help them with that? Mm -hmm. So um, part of my coaching is actually mindset coaching. And so the people that come and work with me know that they have mindset blocks that they're struggling with. And so I work with this all the time. 
One of the ones that I um, have seen a lot recently as we're nearing the end of the year, you know, people are starting to feel pressure to accomplish their 2020 goals before 2021 happens. And, um, and the focus is put on that pressure and that fear of not achieving what they set out to achieve. And I, had to do this with, I think, two clients in, in one week say, okay, let's look back to where you were in January. What have you accomplished? What are all of the things that you've done? What goals have you hit? You know, how have you changed? And if you if they do that, they realize, oh wow, I have done a lot and I have come a long way. And it's important to take both. I mean, I'm not saying to be complacent and to be satisfied with not meeting your goals at all because I'm also a business growth coach and I'm going to help you grow your business. But um, we have to take both. And that is a huge mindset block of just never being satisfied with where you are right now and always kind of beating yourself down and saying it's not enough. And that kind of mindset in the short run might get you to where you want to go, but in the long run, isn't going to be fulfilling and nurturing and will likely lead to being unfulfilled and worst case scenario, burnout. So um, you mentioned that when you had your first child and you went back to work and it was difficult uh, being a first mom and having to, I guess, learn how to do both at the same time. Um, what was it this time when you decided to leave corporate and um, was, there, was there any difficulty in managing your new job, which is now... I'm imagining probably working 24-7 plus being a mom. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I got to a point towards the end where I was, honestly, I was really, really unhappy. I was not in the right place. I was forcing myself to stay there out of fear. And so I was really unhappy. And to try to combat that unhappiness, I put very strict boundaries around my work. And I had been working from home doing my position virtually for five years. So I was working at home for this other position as well. And I put very strict boundaries. I'm not working at night. I'm not working on the weekends. I'm not checking my work email during those times either. Like I'm just not doing it. And training myself to do that in my previous position has actually turned out to be the best thing I could have ever done now. Because now... When on my calendar, it says family time, which starts every day at four o'clock, I walk away from my desk. Sometimes, I mean, you know, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. But generally, when I walk away from my desk, I'm done for the day. And I'm just used to that now. And on the weekends, I don't work. Um, and I'm just used to that. So I think because I worked from home for such a long time, and the silver lining of being so dissatisfied there at the end was that I created this really lovely routine of being able to prioritize the important non-working times that we have. Yeah. I wonder if you think having very strict, say, work hours or boundaries, I wonder if having those things help you more, help you be more productive when you're working so you don't waste time like some, some people can. Mm -hmm. For me, they absolutely do. And I don't think that work-life balance is a thing. I certainly didn't think that when I had my corporate position, even though they all talked about it. <laughs> it's like, this is not a thing. I think that boundaries is what we need to be talking about instead of balance. And for me, creating those boundaries, 
yes, it makes me more productive when I am working because it helps me be present. If I know that I'm at work right now and this is just my work time, I'm going to focus on work. And just the same, if I know that this is my family time, I can just focus on my family as opposed to if it's very, very fluid and back and forth, you're trying to focus on both all the time and then you end up focusing on neither. Mm, That's a good point. So besides setting good boundaries in terms of your working hours and family time, do you have any other tips um, on how, you know, we can, can try to do the same for ourselves? Mm. I think just understanding how you work best. Uh, One thing that I learned uh, for myself is that you can have an expert tell you the best way to do something, but it's not just plug and play. We're not one size fits all. And a good example of this is I read the book Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, and it gives you, I think it's eight different activities. Maybe it's 10. Forgive me, Hal. I am not remembering exactly what it is that he does every single day before he starts his day that really changed, turned his life around. And so when I was feeling really down about my life and like I needed to have a a boost, I started to try to incorporate this. Now, as a young mom (laughs) trying to do eight to 10 things in the morning before your kids wake up is hard. And I think I kept it up maybe for one week. I might've muscled through two, but honestly, I can't remember. And after that, I I dropped it like a hot potato. It's like, I can't do this. I can't wake up this early. Like, no, I need my sleep. I'm a tired mama. Well, cut to a couple years later and I realized, okay, I have got to figure this out because I was starting on my heels every morning behind the eight ball every single morning. I created a mini routine for myself. So instead of doing what someone else said worked for them, I figured out what worked for me. And now my morning routine is one of the best things I do all day. And when I do it, I feel so much better and so much more well-prepared for my day than the days that I don't do it. And so that's why I say like knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and what sets you up best for success is the most important information that you need to be successful at anything. And so that's, that's kind of the advice that I would give is if you're trying to be more productive, what gets you in that productive space and how can you manipulate your environment or your day to give you the best chance of being productive. Hmm. And so what's your morning routine like now? So I wake up at five 30 and my husband and I do a guided meditation together. So it's been kind of fun because recently he's been getting in on my morning routine too, which is cool. <laughs> and then I either take a walk or I do some yoga. So I do a little bit of physical activity and I do a devotional time. So I spend some time in my Bible and then I get ready for the day. I take a shower, get my makeup on, get dressed. Even through 2020, I have been putting makeup on and getting dressed because it puts me in the right mindset to start my day. So again, that's not necessarily something everybody feels like they have to do, but for me, it is. And then I start my day. So it's pretty short and sweet, but for me, I want to start my day feeling calm and centered. And those are the things that I do to get me to that place. I see. And I was actually uh, looking around on your Facebook page and I saw that you have this post about 
GSD hour. Can you talk about it? Sure. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh yeah, I think I, think I know what GSD is, but you're definitely okay to talk about it. So GSD stands for get shit done. And um, so I really uh, am a big proponent of time blocking and also only having one task per day. Um, and if you do those two things, what ends up happening, you have one most important task that you focus on first each day and you, you know, time block so that whatever recurring tasks that you do every day, every week, every month, you put a block on your calendar, like a meeting notice on your calendar for that activity, even if it's you just doing it alone so that you know that you're going to have the time to do it and you're going to get to it ahead of whatever the deadline is. If you employ both of these strategies, what will end up happening is there might be a little side to-do list of activities that aren't super important and that aren't recurring that's just quietly building up. Um, and for me, I am a to-do list maven. <laughs> I love my a to-do list. I'm that person who, after completing something, if it wasn't originally on my list, I will write it down just so I get to cross it off. <laughs> yep. I am that kind of crazy. So um, having a GSD hour every week as a part of my time block lets me attend to that parking lot to-do list. So those things that just kind of sit in the background that aren't the highest priority but need to get done at some point, I give myself an hour to get as much of that done as possible. And then the rest of my time is focused on, you know, for me, my most important tasks are my clients and revenue generating activities. And then I have my time blocks of my recurring tasks and that takes up all my time. So by adding this one hour of GSD, I'm able to take care of those things I might otherwise forget and have that oh crap moment later on. Like, ah, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> I see. And what if something doesn't get completed like you anticipated? Does it then go to the parking lot or it becomes tomorrow's GSD? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so maybe I'll dive into my ideology of kind of one most important thing and that'll kind of answer this question. So, um, especially, so I help coach other mompreneurs and many mompreneurs are working and especially this year, wrangling kids all at the same time. And so the amount of time that they actually have to devote to their work every day, whether because of just that's how their life is or by choice is usually less than the standard, you know, eight to 10 hour workday. So if they only have three hours a day, it's like, okay, if you, when you sit down are going to rummage through email and scroll, scroll social and do a couple of marketing things, that's like three hours gone. And you haven't even gotten to what you sat down to do yet. Whereas if you say, what is the one most important thing I need to do today? Not worry about the 20 things that are on my to-do list, but literally, if I can only get one thing done, what is the most impactful, most important thing? All you do is focus on that. You focus on nothing else until that is done. And then you can focus on what's the next most important thing. Um, having this kind of mindset is what can propel you forward towards your goal. And I think that's probably the same thing too in corporate America, although you or any job, I mean, of course, not just America, but um, any job in which you're working for someone else, but you don't have as much decision authority over what you're working on. So it could be a little bit specific to entrepreneurship. 
But if you do that, if you're focusing on the most important task, um, you might let some things fall through the cracks that aren't most important. And so for those things, I, I literally set a timer though. Um, so these are things like, you know, balancing my bank account so that my PL is ready to go each month um, and my taxes are ready to go each month. Like that's an example of what's typically done during some GSD time. And if I don't, if I don't get it done in the 60 minutes, it can wait until next week. Like it's not a big deal. Eventually, if I don't get it done, it's a big deal, but that's why I schedule that 60 minutes. So whatever I don't get done in that 60 minutes, when my timer goes off, it just rolls over to the next week. But it's amazing how much you can get done if you give yourself a boundary of, okay, I have 60 minutes to get however many things done, you know, 10 things done, let's say is what's on your list. You power through them pretty quickly. Um, And I think that, you know, that whole idea too of like, I only have 60 minutes to do this per our previous conversation about boundaries um, encourages you to to move quickly. I'm curious, what is the most surprising to you now that you are your own kind of business owner and now you've kind of like crossed over to the other side? Is there something that is very surprising to you that you didn't know before you started? Or if there is like a most common misconception about being an entrepreneur that now that you are one, (laughs) you can... I think that what I'm most surprised about is how much time I actually get to work with clients versus how much time I have to work on my business. So what actually the experts say is that if you are growing your business, you should be spending 20 to 30% of your time with clients and 70 to 80% on growing your business. And I was like, but what? I was like, I got into this to work with clients. Like I didn't get into this to spend 80% of my week, you know, doing all of the business growth things. And so I was pretty surprised by that. Um, but I was also surprised with how much I love working on my business. And so I've found a good rhythm for me and what I need to do to work towards my goals. But yeah, I was pretty shocked. It's not like your business just runs itself, especially at the beginning. And so the amount of time you actually get to work with clients is a lot less than I had thought. How did you find your first client? And um, what, what was that? How did that feel like when you actually found your first client? So I've had a couple iterations of my business, believe it or not. Um, and in my first business, I found my first client through someone I knew. So the power of networking, I had a virtual coffee chat with someone in, in my town and we were just getting together to catch up. And she introduced me to someone who ended up being a client. In my current business, I actually got my first client through a Facebook group. So we were both in Facebook and she posted in the group that she was having some sort of issue. And I responded in support of what she was doing. That conversation moved to a direct message. And, you know, a short time later, she ended up becoming a client. Did it happen easier than you thought? Because it sounded like a very natural way of, you know, like picking up a client. It's not like you went to the Facebook group thinking that I'm going to find someone here. You were probably there just for, you know, maybe similar things like community resources, support, and, you know, just overall like information. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with this one person, yes, it was easy. Overall, as I've been growing my business, 
it was not easy at the beginning overall to get clients, um, both because I was an unknown and I had never done this kind of stuff before, you know, so selling isn't a huge strong suit of mine. And I had a lot of mindset blocks when it came to that. And so it was a huge learning process that I am still in the middle of. Um, But I think that's really the key. It's like when it's right, it's going to flow. And it was right with this amazing lady. And it just flowed. It's when you're trying to force a square peg in a round hole. And this just circles us all the way back to our career conversation of, you know, why you might want to make a transition. Um, When it's in the flow, it is so easy. And you know, that's why I try to never force it because it can be really easy when you just let it be what it needs to be. So in this case, you helped her find like you were her career coach, basically. Yeah. Um, so with her, we're helping her to not only grow her. So the business that she's in actually is sort of a means to an end to her dream job. And so we're trying to grow her business so that it can be bringing in income for her as she takes steps towards her dream job. So in this specific instance, yeah, I am trying to help her transition to what's next. Um, And in doing so, it's really supporting her in in building her current business out while not taking her eyes off of the long-term goal, which is this dream job. So um, if you compa- if you were to compare your life now versus before when you still worked in a corporate, um, are there huge changes and differences like in terms of the, say, work hours or the pe- kind of people that you interact with? Uh, not really the work hours. Um, I, I kind of maintained the, a similar schedule after leaving. And that was intentional. I thought my life is already set up to support a 40 to 50 hour week. And so I'm just going to keep working 40 hours a week. Um, I don't ever work, you know, quote unquote overtime. Like that's my choice. I'm never forced to do that. So that's kind of nice. I think the biggest change is the feeling of freedom. Now it's all my choice. Nobody is looking to me to do anything but me. And while I think that some people who um, are too hard on themselves might not do well in that kind of situation. For me, having worked at such a large company for such a long time, it's this incredible freedom. And I, every single day, I love it. And I think that I love it so much that as much as I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to work for someone else again, because it's just amazing. (laughs) Where can people find you online? So I hang out mostly on Instagram and you can find me at Coach Hillary and that's Hillary with two L's. Um, I'm also on Facebook. So um, you can find me there as well. Hillary Bennett Consulting is my company's page. Uh, And on my website at hillarybennett.com and that's two L's, two N's, two T's. But I also have a podcast and that is the Motivated Mompreneur podcast. So if you're trying to do a little bit of a technology detox in terms of screen time, you can also hang out with me just with your earbuds with the podcast. I wanted to circle back on something you mentioned earlier. Um, You said that there is this core value kind of exploration, maybe like a worksheet that you could create, maybe like a mini version for 
um, the people that are listening. Is yeah, that absolutely. possible? And <laughs> thank you so much. I would just love to share that. And obviously I would like to do that myself as well. I think it's super valuable to really understand what, you know, every, like, what are the, some of the things that really mean a lot to you? And then use that as kind of your North star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will um, make sure that that is available and get you all the links so that you can include that for your listeners. Perfect. Thank you so much.